0: Hello everyone, welcome to another interview here at uh, CanadianGameDesk.com, the site that kind of just devotes itself to games created in uh, Canada. In case you didn't know, we used to be TorontoGameDesk.com, so a lot of the people that we've interviewed in the past have been kind of Toronto, Ontario based. Uh, joining me today is Kevin Guerre, who is a developer in Quebec, our first non-Ontario interviewer. I don't know if you if you knew that, Kevin. Um, Kevin's uh, the developer across a couple of games, but most uh, are coming up very soon, February 27th, is Tech Support Era Unknown. It's coming out on Steam. Uh, Kevin, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, uh,
1: yeah. I, and I'm uh, I'm honored to represent my people, to be the first to represent my people in uh uh, on your
0: podcast, on your show. <laughs> yeah, like it It was, uh, like we used to be, I don't know if you know the history of the site because we haven't really talked that much, but it, it was com. It it kind of just centered around Toronto, games developed in Toronto and in Ontario. And late last year, it kind of made the switch to Canada and, uh, it's just kind of been a slow, like, progress towards that. But I'm, but I'm, you might, you might not be the first person who, uh, was it wasn't like born in Ontario, but you're certainly the first person I've interviewed who's not currently residing in Ontario. So, welcome to be the thanks for being the, the first one and kind of the sort of the guinea pig here. Um, Kevin, before we kind of dive into it, do you want to maybe just kind of introduce yourself a little bit better than I just did? Uh, and just uh, kind of we can just kind of get that going like that.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Kevin Jaguerre, I'm a 36. Girl programmer, something like that. I don't know my age. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> uh, game developer. Uh, I uh, I've been making games. I've been so I run the company Dragon Slumber, which is an independent um, game development studio. Um, I am the sole member of the company for now. Although 2019, we're, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, I've been doing this since uh, since 2012. Um, When I started my first uh, independent game development project, um, and before that I had just a lot of programming experience. Uh, I I basically come from a background of programming in general, and then moved into uh, doing most of the tasks on game development, so programming, design, production work, all that stuff. Uh, And on tech support, I also do all of the graphics, which was a first for me. But um, that's kind of what being uh, an independent developer is—you gotta be versatile, and uh, that's that's what I ended up being on this project.
0: Yeah, usually what I what I say, and, and no one's really kind of disagreed with me on this, is that uh, indie developers, you're you kind of you wear many hats. You're you're the producer, you're the developer, you might be the artist, you might be the marketer. Um, you're the tech support, uh, you're, you're quite a, a few things. Um, before we kind of dive into the game development itself, let's just kind of talk about games in general. Like, how did you kind of start uh, becoming a gamer? Like, how do you define yourself as a gamer? Are you a console person, and PC person, and phone person? Um, how, like, you know, how long have you been kind of gaming, that sort of stuff? I got my first console,
1: I guess my first real gaming platform when I was around eight. It was an N- uh, NES, and uh, so I grew up with a lot of the classics: Mario Three, Mega Man, all that kind of stuff. Um, actually, so that it wasn't technically my first platform, I didn't do a lot of gaming on it. Was an imagination machine, which is something no one really knows about. I'm gonna guess that you don't really know what that is.
0: I know, I know, I think I know of it. Um, it's certainly so. You mentioned your age earlier. I'm 32, so I was. Uh, I was born in '86, so I think that's still before my time. Yeah, an imagination machine came out in '82, in
1: actually, and my my parents had bought it. And it's it's actually the um, so it was a a kind of a self contained computer, and you can do a lot of gaming. Uh, you could do some gaming on it, but you can also do programming. So technically, that computer, that uh, computer from 1982, is the the place I started to do program. Uh, I was coding. It on it. Uh, And I really only did really small things on it. It wasn't even a very complete version of BASIC. Um, If you typed text, it wouldn't recognize it. It would only recognize numbers. So if you did an adventure game, you couldn't say press W for West. You had to do press 1 for West, for instance. Uh, Uh, (laughs) There was no real way of, of properly saving stuff, so you had to you know, enter the lines and, and enjoy whatever you entered and that was about it at that point. So not a very pragmatic platform, uh, which explains why I didn't use it all that much. And the games, you know, obviously for 1982 were pretty rudimentary as well. Uh, but then I moved on to um, to the NES. The SNES, I, I was mostly a gamer. Um, uh, and then somewhere in the 90s, in the mid-90s, I got my first PC, and then I kind of somewhat shifted towards PC gaming um, as a teenager. Relearned uh, programming, rediscovered programming. I guess uh, did some basic on that as well, but it was a lot more advanced than uh, I could what I could do as a kid. And then I got a uh, a um, went into co- went to college, became a programmer, and it became actually a web developer for years uh, most of my time not spent, most of my professional time not spent as a um, game developer I was a worker uh, and only during three years of my uh, my career was I a flash developer as well so kind of uh, making small games uh, for studios and um, yeah, it's been it's been a an intro for sure. A lot of different stuff.
0: So, how long? Um, you said around 2012 is when you kind of started becoming like a, a game developer. Yep. So around 2012, um, mid
1: 2012 in May, I decided. You know what? I want to I want to start a real project. I had done a lot of smaller things, uh, stuff in Flash back then. Flash was still kind of sort of a thing. Uh, It was dying out, but um, I I decided, you know what, I want to do a real project. So I decided to grab XNA, which was the framework that Microsoft used uh, for indie developers to um, make games for the Xbox 360 for the the relatively short-lived indie store. I don't remember what it was called.
0: Yeah, indie arcade or something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that, where anyone could post their their games on that platform, but Microsoft didn't really do a lot of promotion, so early games kind of did well, but later games, unfortunately, kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think.
0: Yeah, Xbox Live uh, and e games, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I,
1: I started work on uh, Japanese-style RPG, always was a fan of... Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, all those titles from my uh, my childhood, which I felt were great at telling stories and developing characters. Um, so that's kind of what I want to do. I I, um, I wanted to make something that would go beyond um, like RPG Maker and whatnot. So I built my own engine, um, and I at that time I wasn't really thinking about what the game would actually be specifically. I was just building in an, an overarching engine and, and a bunch of features and kind of figuring out what XNA could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, over time, I, once I had a prototype, I decided to look around, try to find an artist to could work with, um, kind of figure out what my opportunities were. And I, I did meet a few people, but ultimately nothing that... Uh, really left me satisfied and left me um, con- confident that the the people I would be working with could would do the job for the extent of time that game development would take because you know game dev does take a lot of time and you need people who are um, dedicated for the long haul um, so I decided to work work at it on my own. Um, I had a full-time job as a uh, web developer, and I was using the money that I was making off of that to hire contractors, um, and I started kind of building this game, like Core, which is about a blacksmith who uh, heads on um, an adventure to kind of develop his skills as a blacksmith, see, meet other blacksmiths, figure out um, different techniques, and who forced to become somewhat of a hero as he's confronted with this um, large-scale menace um, it's a project that ended up taking four and a half years so kind of a very very large uh, endeavor much lo- much longer than I had expected I expected it to take two years originally and uh, through all the trials and tribulations that uh, game dev Uh, forces upon us. Uh, it took much, much longer. Uh, but finally the game came out in, um, uh, February of 2017. And that kind of, uh, I I decided to use that as my starting point to become a full time game developer from there on out.
0: So, yeah, I'm looking at, uh, to our like core right now and, and yeah, I can see the SNES, um, influences on here for sure looks awesome actually um so you worked on this game kind of i guess like part-time in a sense that you were working full-time um somewhere else although probably felt like you were working two full-time jobs at certain points uh it took you a few years to kind of finish this game what you know when you released this game um what what was the trigger that made you say okay now i will i'm going to try doing this full-time
1: um for me it was kind of a I wanted to to move forward in my career I had felt for a while that uh, my career was a little stagnant mm. um, and uh, that's kind of why I originally started making games as well why I, I returned to making games let's, let's say I was making small projects before but I kind of I kind of wanted to to find my own path Um you know, I, I think that being a, a, an independent game developer also means you need to have that entrepreneurial spirit, and I definitely had that. I wanted I wanted to do all of it, not just the, the development of the game and the design and the, the, the artistic aspects, but I liked the business aspects as well. I was interested in that. Um, so I figured... Um, I figured at that time, sometime before I I was going to launch the game, I realized that um, I wanted to continue. I wanted to do, to do to do this, um, um, you know, just move on to to a new project and, and try to build a company from there. It um, it was hard. Uh, thankfully, I guess I, I didn't have anyone to sustain. I didn't have uh, wife and kids I didn't have I don't even had a car you know so my my expenses were low by keeping my expenses low it also meant that I could not only invest more in my game but as I transitioned into doing this full-time it also meant that I meant that I could afford, um keeping keeping the, the lights on for an extended period of time if there were any issues, if the games didn't sell well, I, I couldn't make um, profit well enough, um, which is great, because the problems, and I did have end up with uh, a lot of uh, issues, and um, it, it took a while to, to kind of get my footing. It took a lot of hard lessons to learn, and, um, but thankfully i i i feel like i i'm over the hump now and i'm i'm in a much stronger position than i was even back when i had a a steady job now which is awesome
0: that's good um so then your second so that was our, our like horror came out early 2017 your second game astral traveler uh came out later later that year in september of 2017 right
1: Yeah, so uh, Astral Traveler was a um, partnership between me and uh, Brainoid Studios, uh, which is my partner, Bora, uh, who is in Turkey. And uh, we decided we had met uh, in a uh, game dev Slack chat room. We kind of uh, uh, hit it off and we decided, you know what, Let's, let's do a project together. He started in November, I think. As I uh, approached the end of the um, of development of of Aralite Core, as Aralite Core finished, I immediately transitioned over to Astral Traveler. Worked with uh, with Bora to um, get that released, and yeah. It, overall, I spent about seven months on it. It was a little bit. It, it, so. Paralight Core had taken me four and a half years to make. It was a super long project. It was really grueling. It was very, um, very draining. And I wanted kind of a palette cleanser, which is why I decided I, I thought that our um, astral traveler would be great for that, because you know it, it wouldn't rely on story. It wouldn't rely on. The methodical pacing that the Japanese RPG requires it's, it was going to be fast it was going to be very twitchy and very um, I guess uh, j- just very reactive mm. and that's what I wanted as a, a follow-up project um, we worked on it uh, like I said I worked on it for about seven months created uh, 47 levels for a game so you know it's a lot, a lot of content was created during that interval, um, and then yeah, we uh, ended up launching in September of the same year.
0: And so, with your first two games, you know, one like they're they're very uh, A and B. Like one is a very large, you know, it's a JRPG. There's like you said, there's a lot involved in it, and the second one you know, still has forty seven levels, but, you know, there's like you said, there's no story, there's nothing like that that kind of tracks you down. Do you think um almost like reversing those would have been easier for you? Like do you think it was like having a such a long dev cycle for your first game? Like you said, there was a lot of trials and tribulations during that process. Like I guess what I'm trying to ask is what were some of the like what were some of the things that you learned by doing a game that took you four years to make as the first game and then you know, you partnered with someone to do the second game and it was a much shorter dev cycle. Um, what were some of the things that you learned to kind of take you into the third game, which we'll talk about, you know, right after this? So, yes,
1: I, I do think that it's kind of, it should have been a, I don't think it should have been the opposite because uh, you would want to kind of gradually get into that um, bigger and bigger projects over time but at the same time I feel like that's kind of the that's that's game devs and that's indie developers in a nutshell right like yeah. we're we're passionate about our projects and we just we just chase after the thing that that we want and we 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 um, we go about it a little bit relentlessly um I do wish that my first project had been... Shorter uh, I, I also wish it had been less expensive that ended up being a very expensive project for me um, But at the same time like I, I Some of the lessons that I've learned I Would not do my en- my own engine again. It wasn't that was a time sink that I felt was not worth my time mm-hmm. um, It wasn't it wasn't the most the biggest time sink on the project, but I um, yeah, going going at it with. Um, uh, that's why nowadays I, I use Unity. Unity is fast and lets me focus on actually making the the game rather than having to worry about all of the, a lot of the, um, developer specific uh, engine stuff. I guess uh, it, it affords a lot of, of tools and it's it's a very versatile engine, as evidenced by the fact that it produced both Astral Traveler. And tech support, which are, you know, two very different games. Um, I think a lot of, get, especially, uh, programmer game devs who start as indie uh, indie developers, they want to make their own engine because there there's this desire to to own. I, I think it's a matter of pride. There there's a lot of pride that I, this is my game top to bottom. It's all of my code. I built every single thing, and I think there's a little bit of, of um, romanticism about that. Um, I think I I might have lost a little bit of that romanticism. It never was why I, ch- I chose to make my engine in the first place, but after spending so much time with the engine and with a lot of the extra work that that entailed and the just creating whatever tools I needed to, to make my games. Um, I was, you know, I'm very glad to be able to just use QVD, use whatever baselines that I can do to kind of accelerate the project and focus on making the the game as great as it can be, um, focus on the design and and all of those aspects. Cool. Um, for for, our, for uh, Astral Traveler, I felt like I learned a very different lesson. Uh, I, worked, I worked with Bora, and um, it, it ended up being a situation where I think we should have had better communication from the, the get-go. I think we kind of saw the project differently. We saw where we wanted to go with that project uh, in a different light. Um, I kind of wanted something more challenging, more, um, I don't know, more, more hardcore gamer, I guess, for hardcore gamers. Uh, I think he, he preferred a more casual approach. He, he, um, he's more of a mobile game developer. Um, he released a few titles on, on Google play and the app store, in fact. And, uh, I think that kind of became uh, a little bit of a strain uh, during development as well um, I don't think, like and it's really it's not anyone's fault it's just a matter of um, sometimes uh, expectations are, are not as as we envisioned them and if you don't have good communication that can create uh, a load of issues uh, but that's, that's kind of why when I decided I was going to work on my next project tech support I decided to Um, approach it approach this one on my own because I wanted to make sure that I would be there wouldn't be uncertainties here I would you know I would just do my work and I I would know the game inside and out kind of like uh, I did with um, a core Um, but possibly also because I wasn't because I was keeping the visual aspects a little simpler um, I expected that it would be easier a little bit easier to um, to develop this and um, I do feel like it kind of was it was uh, you know I, I could take the lessons that I took from my, my first two games and apply them here and um, it's it was definitely a very different journey for this but I think it, it paid off and I think the game is is uh, pretty great. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all of. Thanks to learning from all of the mistakes from previous games.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, so tech support error unknown. It comes out February twenty seventh uh, on Steam. Th- uh, so I'm just going to quote the Steam page here. Things are not what they seem uh, at your new tech support specialist job. While resolving customer issues, you soon find yourself in the middle of a conspiracy. Will you side with your employer, join a rogue hackivist group bent on destroying them, assist the police, or stand alone? Um, this is looking to me like a sort of a narrative, uh, like I guess puzzle game in a sense. Like, how would you describe kind of uh, tech support, like the gameplay of tech support?
1: You know what? That's that's actually a pretty good way of uh, of the defining it. Uh, it's very tech support is very um, narrative driven. Um, it's also very puzzle driven. So in the game just to explain to, to the audience. Uh, the entire game is presented from the perspective of a computer. So you're always looking at this, this thing that looks like an um, operating system kind of inspired by um, Windows, Mac, Linux. It's kind of, a, it's, kind of its own thing. Um, so you navigate around, you have access to your, your software, you have your emails, you have your web browser, and you have um, your ticket manager. And your ticket manager uh, is how you communicate with customers who are looking for help with their mobile phones. You're the tech support, support specialist. You got to help them out. Try to help them find a solution to uh, to their phones. For instance, uh, maybe the sound doesn't work or uh, they crack the screen or, or anything. Any of the um, problems that you can imagine with a phone, you... Um, you provide them with the, the solution to that. Um, it, it's uh, So it's, it's, it has a little bit of investigation because you got to communicate with these customers. you got to uh, interrogate them, try to understand why they're having issues. Um, and uh, you got to use all of your tools. Over the course of the game, you unlock new tools. You can uh, look at the, cu- the profile of the customers. You can kind of... Um, uh, if the customer loses their phone, you can try to track it through a GPS system. So you have all of these tools which um, become available uh, available to you gradually. Um, and the parameters also change. You, you have to figure out, uh, originally, it's just a matter of, uh, it, it's pretty simple. There's not too many expectations for, for the company that you work for. But over time, uh, you got to figure out do they have the proper warranties, or who, you know how how did the problem happen? Who is uh, where is the uh, the blame? Do do we even get to provide them proper work because they uh, it's included in the in their terms or not? Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a very it's kind of an evolving puzzle in that sense where throughout the game the same problems will not. Have the same answers because the, the parameters are going to change. Um, and all throughout, you're, um, you're also confronted with um, a conflict where uh, you work with the, your uh, employer, KZAR, who is a big uh, international conglomerate, and uh, they're getting attacked by Indigo, who is a, an anonymous hacktivist group. And you gotta you gotta decide. Okay, do I I side with um, Kazar? Do I side with Indigo? Or you could do something else entirely. Uh, The police gets involved. You gotta figure out if you want to help them out. Uh, Your brother needs money, so you gotta figure out okay can I afford him? Um, So you have all of these decisions to make throughout the um, the story mode, and uh, you kind of guide yourself to one of there's over 20 different endings uh, depending on all of those decisions that you've made over the course of the entire game
0: yeah that's actually you kind of stole my next question I was going to ask based on cause <laughs> based on your description what you're kind of saying like it does sound like you have different choices almost like a, a telltale game or whatever um, that's going to kind of change the outcome or the 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 ending for you based on who you side with. Um, is there, is there kind of like a quote unquote good ending or, or do you kind of leave it ambiguous to like what's going on? Like maybe the hacker, like I'm just kind of spitballing here, but maybe the hacker isn't actually like a bad group or whatever. It's actually the, the, the tech agency or the tech support people that you work for. Is there, is there stuff like that? I know, I I know we don't want to kind of get too far into spoiler territory here, but I'm kind of just intrigued based on what you're saying. Um, I think I worked in customer support for quite a few years, so it's kind of just funny to see a uh, this like sort of meta story surrounding it of uh, conspiracy and stuff like that.
1: I'm going to hope that you never had to deal with uh, anonymous <laughs> activist
0: groups and, and terrorism and all of that. I don't even know what I would do, to be honest. I would probably just shut down my <laughs> computer and just walk away. Oh, well, now you can discover what you would have done.
1: Um <laughs> So one of my one of the important things when I wrote this story for Tech Support, one of the things that I one of my guiding principles, I didn't want to make it a good versus evil kind of a thing, because I don't feel like that's representative of um, real life. In real life, everyone is the hero of their own story, right? Like they all, everyone acts upon what they believe is right and what the their own values and their own um, uh, life philosophies. And that's kind of what I wanted to inject into into the game. So you have you have indigo and obviously you get to interact with them and you get to see what their perspective is in this whole situation. You get to understand what the perspective of Kazar is and all of these other characters who are dealing with their own conflicts and some of the, the, the conflicts are obviously in opposition from one another, no one's a bad guy. It's not about, you know, from from an external perspective, you can, you can see them as a bad guy, but no one sees themselves as, as a bad guy. And it's more about the player kind of um, deciding who they agree with, who they want to work with, and who... Um, uh, kind of fits better with their own moral code at that point. Um, and it, it kind of, I, I think it made the characters a lot more interesting because um, everyone is, is approaching you and wanting your help and, and, and not just throwing idle threats, but the, the, the goal was to make them actual people. This game tech support above everything else is a game about people. It's a game about conversations. You know, from the perspective of a tech support specialist, you, you meet a lot of, you, you get a lot of callers and, you know, they're, they're just customers and you just try to, to figure out their their problem and, and that's about it. But really, all of those callers, they all have lives, right? Like, they're all people, they're, they all exist outside of that outside of, of that call. And that's kind of what I wanted to, to bring to the table. I wanted to bring a lot of that sort of perspective of um, it's easy to to get caught up in seeing things from our perspective and our side and our um, limited information, the limited information that we have and the faceless people that might be on the other side was really... Everyone has a story. Everyone has um, their own beliefs, you know, and it's uh, it's all it's all a matter of, of perspective at that point.
0: Perfect. Sorry, my cat just walked in, and I'm assuming he's going to do something that he shouldn't be doing. Um, so, kind of wrap things up and bring everything full circle. You know, let's look at your, the three games. You had a JRPG that took you. A long time to create it was very uh, large undertaking. Second game, you partnered with someone and made kind of a more simpler racing game, no story, etc., like that. Third game is a narrative, story based, you know, um, conspiracy theory sort of game. Um, what you know? Sorry, now I'm getting like a phone call too. What you know? how how do you kind of transition between all three like is it just sort of you kind of wake up one day and say this is the kind of game i want to make or were all three of these games a game that you kind of just thought in in the past that this is the kind of game that i want to make or you know how did how did the how did all three of these very distinct games kind of come about like was it you know was it just a spur of the moment thing or or was it something that you always kind of envisioned
1: so I think they all kind of have a very different story to them uh i i like making games and i i i don't have any clearly i don't have any specific genre that i just want to to do that i want to ch- like i like games as a whole i like game design as a whole i like to explore and i think it's important to to kind of to um to not pigeonhole yourself into a single genre because you can learn so many different things from um looking at different games looking at different genres even even games you you might not uh, be a fan of or, or games you might um uh find boring there there is a lot to learn from from everything um when I started Aerolite uh, Core, my first game, I wanted to make a JRPG. I grew up with uh, with JRPGs, so that, that kind of uh, was part of what drew, uh, drove me. But also, there was a lot of... Um, I was also trying to avoid a lot of the issues that I expected to have. If, For instance, I, I was making a, a um, uh, side-scroller, for instance. A lot of the physics stuff, a lot of the collision stuff, I expected I would be encountering a lot of different problems that might end up uh, making the, the game development process a lot more complicated and a lot longer. So I, I kind of chose uh, a JRPG for, for that reason, because I felt it was a lot of very distinct systems that would be manageable um, as a, a single programmer. Um, for our light core... We, uh, astral traveler. That is, we went with a runner racer. Um, there's no enemy AI. There's no, um, uh, you know, the 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 races are are fairly simple. It's very much about avoiding obstacles. You, you can shoot enemies, and you can, uh, you know, there there are, there are a few interesting timing mechanics involved with the game. There's platforming, for instance. Um, so it does it does distinguish itself. Was still overall a fairly simple design as well, and that was, you know, because of the way I like core. Because I wanted to have a shorter uh, development cycle, I kind of went with this project specifically, which I felt would um, would really help me out. Um, my first two games did do super well. Um, it was kind of a struggle for a while, and I, I. You know, I had to figure out how I would approach my next game and, and how to make it stand out, how to make it uh, profitable. Because obviously when you're doing this full-time, you need, the games need to be profitable, otherwise it's going to be very, very problematic. So I decided to go with tech support specifically because it wasn't a topic that had been touched. Like, there's no games really about tech support out there. And I wanted to make something unique. I wanted something that would get people to turn their heads. Um, I knew I would be working alone, so I couldn't go into a genre that would require a lot of um, very elaborate set pieces, a lot of very elaborate um, visuals. So... Create, recreating a an OS felt perfect because ultimately it's very it's a very structured thing. I could even build on the fact that I had been a web developer for uh, for ten years um, to kind of set up a lot of the software, set up a lot of the, the visual presentation of the game, um, and it just it it just transitioned kind of fluidly in that sense where. When I chose those projects, I was solving—I guess I was solving problems in a way. I was trying to to make sure that my develop—I was thinking about my development process and how I would be approaching it from a pragmatic standpoint. Um, which is not to say that the, the creative aspect isn't important, because obviously tech support is. A pretty good, uh, pretty big game. It, it has a lot of characters. Characters can can kind of branch out into into their own thing, and depending on how you interact with them. Um, so there there was there was a lot of uh, 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 creative requirements there. There were creative requirements that were, I guess, easier for me because I could I could fill those roles in. I could fill in the writing roles uh, in an easier fashion than anything that requires. Visuals and and uh, animated characters and the like, an elaborate background, for instance. Cool.
0: Um, sorry, we should have mentioned uh, at the start, but there, uh, you had written about kind of your first uh year or so as a game developer on Game of Sutra. Uh, I'll include the links wherever you kind of see this podcast on the site kningamedos.com, etc. Um, and you're we kind of discussed before, like, but by the time most people listen to this show, there there should be, an, a, I guess, a second or follow up to it, uh, on Game of Sutra that kind of goes over i guess basically what we kind of just talked about but maybe going a little bit more depth um on on the note of you know the grab bag of just whatever you know the games that you're kind of working on how different they are you know after um after tech support what what do you kind of have in mind for the future like do you think you'll follow up on tech support or do you think it'll be kind of similar in that it's going to be something that's completely different
1: so I'm, I'm kind of in a unique situation right now because I'm I'm actually balancing a lot of projects uh, uh, I'm, I'm fully dedicated to finalizing tech support and and I'm in fact I have a publisher now uh, support iceberg interactive um, you know as a side note my first two games did not have publishers and uh, I think that's one of the big factors why they struggled in the market it was tough to There's a lot of games coming out there's a lot of games and it's tough to get uh people to notice because you know there's only so much time i guess and uh so much i can do media and uh streaming on twitch and all those platforms to get people's attention um so I, i partnered up with uh iceberg interactive they helped me out with the um with the marketing of the game uh, they they helped out with the localization, so the game is going to be released in German and uh, Chinese as well, uh, thanks to them, and kind of uh, testing and all of this stuff. So, you know um, that that's really that really helped me out, and it also means that um, I don't have to take on every single responsibility on my back which means that I I currently have uh, multiple projects going on. Um, Some of them are secrets and I can't reveal, but I I do work on uh, um, a uh, game that is, um, I guess, codenamed Digital Rogue. Uh, It's a mix of a third-person action games, uh, kind of like Devil May Cry. Uh, It mixes up... Uh, some acrobatic action, kind of like Sunset Overdrive. It's a roguelike, so a little bit of Dead Cells and Rogue Legacy in there. And um, it can t- basically continues the-, the trend of every single one of my games are very different, in our approach very differently. and uh, it, um, I, For this one, I'm working um, with uh, a 3D artist, which is why I can kind of um, undertake such a massive uh, project uh, because he he's he's taking care of the visuals, he's taking care of the characters and the environment and and all that. And cool, unquote All I need to do is uh, design the game and uh, and put it. So. Um, don't expect that one to come out anytime soon because it's really really big <laughs> and it's uh it's gonna be uh, a very impressive set piece once we're done with it uh, but yeah that's that's been that's been kind of what I've been chipping away at while uh, tech support is is in its final um, final stages of development and and you know kind of doing the last bits of debugging and and missing small missing pieces leading up to uh, to the launch.
0: Perfect. Um, so yeah, as, as we mentioned, tech support era unknown comes out February 27th on Steam. Uh, you can also check out our like horror and astral traveler all, traveler also on Steam. Um, Kevin, is there anything uh, that you want to end off on or, or anything that I might have missed or that we missed uh, in our I- discussion here?
1: I can kind of touch on the fact that I do uh, streaming on Twitch as well. I do so I actually stream a a good portion of most of my games, uh, including uh, most of uh, Digital um, Tech Support has been streamed. Development development of them, and uh, right now my my the game that I'm mostly streaming is Digital Rogue. So for those who are interested, you can also find me. Uh, on uh, Twitch.tv/DragonSlumber, um, it's uh, it, it's kind of been to be able to talk to people while doing all of this work and having them kind of comment on the work. And if there's an issue, like they, they kind of they call you out on it, which is uh, really nice. Because um, ultimately, we are you know we're we're making games for ourselves, but you know we want the people to enjoy it, right? So it's nice to have that immediate feedback on some of that stuff and kind of see the uh, the excitement rising about all, all of these games um as they're being developed it's a uh,
0: it's really nice for sure yeah i was just i just have uh all of your social stuff here so dragon slumber dot com is the site facebook.com slash dragon slumber games twitter dragon underscore slumber and then twitch as you mentioned dragon slumber uh on twitch and then you also have a patreon as well patreon.com slash dragon slumber um Kevin, appreciate it so much for taking the time again. Tech support, uh, air unknown comes out February twenty seventh. Um, Kevin, thanks for joining me and thanks for being the first non Ontario uh, interviewer as well. Super happy. Just realized. I'm sorry for the people who oh. want to check out uh, Tech Support as well. There is a demo,
1: so go on the Steam page, go check out the demo. It's it's uh, well worth it, and uh, yeah, you can kind of dis- uh, discover it at that time. Okay. Oh, uh, but yeah, it was. It was super nice uh, being on here, uh, being the first Quebecer. Like I feel like um, Quebec, the province, uh, and I-, I guess Montreal especially has a ton of um, game developers. So I'm- I might be the first, but I- I'm going to guess that I'm not going to be the last by a wide margin.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny because it is, um, I-, I think it's like a bigger, it, it feels like a bigger scene than toronto to be perfectly honest like maybe not the indie space because really here in toronto there's only for as far as triple a goes there's ubisoft toronto um digital extremes is out you know out in london but they're still kind of indie um ea i think has like a studio here or sorry uh like oakville has like the the rockstar studio um but they're just kind of like you know, part of the Rockstar Mammoth, they're not really like an indiv- 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 individual studio, I can't say that word, <laughs> um, whereas Montreal's got Ubisoft, there's IDOS. there's there's quite a few, and then there's a huge indie space as well, including like Celeste and a few other things, um, but yeah, it, it was it was my pleasure, I appreciate Iceberg Games uh, kind of introducing us, uh, looking forward to tech support, like I said, you can download the demo, Do you, I don't see a price on the Steam page, have you guys nailed down a price yet, or should we not measure the price?
1: Uh well it's going to be uh in line
0: with expectations.
1: We haven't are. announced an a,
0: an official price but uh
1: like it's it's uh it's going to be very very reasonable so no worries there.
0: Okay, Bert. And uh and we'll uh you know we'll follow each other on Twitter and, and Twitch and stuff like that. I keep uh and we'll, we'll look forward to that next game as well. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All right, thank you for having me.